Well, praise the Lord. Once again, Pastor Jerry coming to you with the Word of God. Again, always an honor, always a privilege uh, to connect with you. Praise God. We're just grateful that you're um, connecting with us. Amen. Whether it be audio, video, we're just uh, grateful to uh, be able to bring you the Word of God. Again, we're going to do a, a review, quick review on some things we've been talking about in our midweek services. We've been talking about possessing our promised land. And if you recall, uh, we started this whole thing coming out of Joshua 1, of course, the word of the Lord to Joshua, um, Joshua 1, verses 1 through probably around verse 9, something like that. We pretty much just kind of hung out right there. And I pretty much brought out from each verse a principle or a key, we could say, uh, to possessing our promised land. Amen. And uh, each, you know, each key there was something that we could relate with, um, with every day uh, with us possessing our promised land. Now, uh, the scriptures are pretty clear that all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. Uh, that's 2 Corinthians 1.20, praise God. And the scripture says uh, in Hebrews 8 and 6 that, uh, uh, that He's the mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. Now, the reason I bring that up is because, uh, you know, we have a covenant with God. And in that covenant, which is really right here in this word, amen, the word covenant, of course, means uh, a will, a testament. Um, it also means a contract, okay, referring to things that are recorded or uh, um, put down or recorded, things like agreements that have been made or promises that have been made, all right? And the word promise, again, is a word uh, that refers to um, something that's been expressed, um, it means something recorded or expressed. Uh, it literally means the expressed assurance on which our expectation is to be based. In other words, we can base our expectation, anticipation, our hope on that, praise God. Now, I said all that, you know, I've been saying it every week, uh, but we all have uh, promises that are to us. We have a promised land, so to speak. Um, you know, uh, God called it a promised land. He called it a land flowing with milk and honey is how he worded it to, to the children of Israel. Uh, the psalmist brings out, he calls it a pro, or a blessed life, I think is how it's referred, uh, referred to as. And uh, Jesus referred to it as the abundant life. Paul referred to it as the life of God and even talked about that quality of life that we're all called to possess uh, when he was talking to Timothy. And so I've just different ways that it's worded and brought out, but the bottom line is it just comes down to this. There's a life that you're called to, and in your covenant are all kinds of promises that have been made to you. So just like that promised land was to the children of Israel, you also have a promised land that has been promised to you through the word of God in your covenant, praise God. The scripture brings out in Hebrews 8, and uh, pardon me, in uh, Hebrews 6 and verse 12, and it says this, that through faith and patience, you inherit those promises, amen, through your faith or your believing, or your confidence in, or your uh, trusting in, maybe another way of saying that, praise God, uh, your faith and your patience, which just really just means a consistency. Uh, it means uh, uh, to be constant. It means even words like endurance is one of those uh, synonyms for that word. But through your, pay, uh, through, pardon me, through your faith and your patience, you inherit that promise. So in other words, through your believing, and you're remaining consistent in your believing, you inherit those promises, praise God. And it also says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, that it's by your endurance, staying with it. Just another way of saying it, kind of the same, actually the same similar uh, root word there in that Greek word endurance as, as the word patience or constancy. 
Amen. But through your patience and through the doing of the will of God, you or pardon me, you receive, I think is how it's worded in that verse, you receive your promises. Amen. So again, it's just about, you know, releasing faith and it's about doing uh, what the will of God is, you know, depending on what we're talking about. But there's promises that are to you. And if you, you know, release your faith and you stay, stay consistent with it and you walk out the, the, the steps that God lays out for you, Praise God. Guess what? You'll always receive your, your promise. You'll always inherit your promise. Praise God. And that's kind of what we've been trying to bring out through this. If you recall, then, we shifted gears a few weeks back, and we started talking about the different roadblocks, okay? We talked about all the keys of receiving, but then we started talking about different roadblocks, things that get in the way that block us receiving. And the word's real clear about that uh, when it was talking about the children of Israel. Uh, in uh, Joshua 1, it still talks about and there about fear was the first one we talked about. And he told uh, Joshua not to fear. And in fact, he said, I command you uh, to, to, to not yield to fear, all right? To not uh, be afraid or be dismayed is how he brings it out. And so he just says, that's a thing that you don't want. So we took a week and we talked about the different types of fear and how fear can kind of slide in there and mess things up and become a blockade in the area of receiving your promises. We talked about the fear of the unknown, the, the fear of failure, the fear of men, the fear of death. And now those are just different types of fear that the Word talks about. And uh, just really just get in the way of us receiving our promises. We begin to shift gears and we went to Hebrews chapter 3 because Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4 brings out uh, the, the story again of, of the children of Israel and talks about uh, that first generation of things that messed up uh, them entering in to their promised land. Actually, the Hebrews calls it entering into his rest, okay, which is another way of saying it. Uh, but we, we talked about a few uh, deals there, and we're going to talk some more about that. But let's go back to Hebrews 3, verse 7, please. It just says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, which is going to be kind of key, what we're going to talk about today. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Of course, we know he's talking about that first generation of the children of Israel uh, that, when it, uh, that when it entered into, uh, or pardon me, was delivered from Egypt, but entered into that wilderness, okay? Uh, verse 9, where your fathers tested me and tried me, all right, and saw my works 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. In other words, or enter into that promised land. So the, the next key that we talked about, again, not key, I should say roadblock. The next roadblock we talked about was out of verse 10 there where it says, they always go astray in their heart. Okay, that's one of the reasons they didn't enter in. And we talked about that, what that means to be distracted and sidetracked uh, side with things. And the word says, uh, or pardon me, the father says, they always, okay, they always go astray. That was a problem. See, it wasn't just a one-time thing or a little slip up here and there. This was something they were constantly yielding to the deception of the enemy to be, to be somewhat, uh, you know, sidetracked or swayed or uh, distracted, okay, with all this stuff, temptation in this and a temptation of that, and they always allowed their heart to be pulled away from God, all right? So that became, a dis that became one of the roadblocks. Verse 12 goes on then, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of 
unbelief, which was the next one, in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, which is kind of a key there. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who having heard rebelled indeed, or pardon me, rebelled indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry these 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Of course, again, just clarifying who we're talking about here. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Here it is but to those who did not obey. Here we go. So we see that they could not enter in because of, there's that word again, unbelief. Okay, and we talked about uh, unbelief being one of those roadblocks. Of course, what we brought out with this is uh, kind of primarily by the definition of unbelief, which just refers to uh, the faithlessness or unfaith or the lack of faith. And we kind of talked about that like it, said there earlier in this chapter, it said our confidence steadfast to the end. They were not steadfast to the end, all right? So they, weren't, they didn't remain in faith. It also means disbelief. This word unbelief means disbelief, which we brought out last week talking about the expectation of disappointment. We talked about how that fits in there. And then also the word means distrust. And really, when you break it down, it just means to discredit what was said, all right? And that's what happened with the children of Israel. That's why unbelief became one of them roadblocks to them entering into their promised land. Of course, we took a lot of time talking about that last week. All right. So today we're going to read on here. We're going to go into chapter four now and read down a little ways here. Verse one, it says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. All right. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. All right? For we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. Of course, those are some of the things we were talking about in the last couple of weeks. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, the price was paid. Everything was there necessary for them to to be successful, they chose not to. And I think with that said, I think I'm going to say this. We need to remember, and I think I might have made comment of this last week or the week before, that really the, uh, it wasn't um, neighboring countries or uh, neighboring nations that defeated that first generation of, of Israelites. Uh, there was no uh, being defeated by other nations, okay? They defeated themselves by their own choices and decisions, all right? And that's what he's trying to bring out here. They heard what they needed to hear. They saw what they needed to see. They experienced the things, amen, that, would, that, that should anchor you, amen, in the fact of believing God, trusting God, and not being moved by, uh, by fear or not being moved by letting your heart be uh, you know, pulled away and not being moved by a thing called unbelief, all right? And uh, so that's what he's trying to bring out here, is that they heard what they needed to hear, but they made a decision to not follow it, all right? Keep that in mind. All right, verse 4. 
For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And, he, and again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Of course, these are just quotes, many quotes out of the Old Covenant. Verse 6, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, talking about that promised land, that rest, all right, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter, here we go, because, it says here now, here's the next one, because of disobedience, okay, because of disobedience, all right, so this is how, uh, this is the next one here, all right, is because of disobedience, all right, so this is the next roadblock, all right, the word disobedience means um, obstinate, uh, rebellious, okay, or to rebel against, okay, kind of same thing there, but it means insubordinate or non-compliant. These are all some key words here, all synonyms of this word disobedience. All right. Now, they were obstinate, rebellious, so they rebelled against, they were insubordinate, they were non-compliant. Okay. To what? Well, to the things he was saying. If you kind of look back through this, uh, all these verses we've been reading here in chapter 3 and chapter 4, multiple times he says, today, if you will hear his voice and, and not harden your heart. Okay. Today, if you will hear his voice, okay? So it's like, you know, it, it, in fact, you ever notice every time you read the word today, it updates, okay? So this is a word to you and me, but, but I'm trying to bring out, okay, every time God spoke to them, they made a decision to rebel against what he had asked, what he had said, all right? Today, if you will hear his voice, all right, and not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion, okay? So that's the word to you and me. Okay, is that he spoke to them and they would rebel against everything he said. All right. In fact, uh, the word here, if you kind of look up uh, the word here, you know, today, if you will hear his voice, uh, one of its definitions is to give audience to. But I like this, uh, this word here, hearken. Okay. To hear his voice or to hearken unto his voice. Okay. Which is one of the synonyms for this. And some might, might be... Maybe the old King James might even use that word in there. Uh, but it just basically means, uh, the word hearken itself, means to hear with the intent or the intention. So to hear with the intent or intention to follow or to do, which is kind of key. Okay, so he's asking you and me, you know, today if you will hear his voice. In other words, if you will hearken unto his voice. Will you hear with the intent to follow, all right? Because the children of Israel were not willing to do that, okay? The word says uh, that they hardened or became stiff-necked, stubborn, but they, the word said that they rebelled, which is a word that just bottom line comes down to being insubordinate or non-compliant, which is, these are some, some key words. So they would hear things with the natural ear, but they didn't hear with the intent to follow, all right? Praise God. In fact, let's now go back to Psalm 78 again. If you recall, every week here we've been going back to Psalm 78, pulling a verse or two out of there. And the reason being is, again, Psalm 78 is a, 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 a psalm about that first generation, okay? And, uh, you know, and all the things that they did and why they didn't enter into their promised land, all right? So the verses I want to read today out of, out of Psalm 78 is, uh, let's go to uh, 
Psalm 78, verse 40, please. All right, verse 40. And it says, how often they provoked him in the wilderness. Okay, this word provoked, okay, means they disobeyed or to become disobedient. They rebelled against. In fact, your cross-reference might even bring that out. Again, there's that word insubordinate or non-compliant again. How often they provoked him, okay, through disobedience, okay, in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel, okay, uh, which I think we, we might have talked a little bit about that a couple weeks back. Uh, but the bottom line is, okay, they constantly provoked him. They constantly uh, rebelled against. They constantly uh, were in, in subordination to them. Okay, non-compliant. Okay, they provoked him. Let's look at this uh, a little bit further in the chapter here. Verse 56 now. And it said, yet they, uh, yeah, verse 56. Yet they, uh, talking about the children of Israel, they tested or tempted God and provoked. Here's that word again, okay, to disobey, uh, be disobedient or rebellious against. Again, talking about being insubordinate, non-compliant, okay. I, I know this ain't a fun word. Uh, but you have to understand this is what held them out or one of the one of the roadblocks that held them out of their promised land. So we need to take note of it. All right. So they tested and provoked the most uh, the most high God and did not. Here we go. Kind of brings out did not keep or regard, attend or take heed to his testimonies. But they turned back. You notice that they turned back and acted unfaithful okay, unfaithfully like their fathers did. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow, okay? So uh, they turned back, they acted unfaithful, okay? They didn't keep his testimony, it says, or in that first chat, verse there, okay? So these are all just different ways of saying, okay, they were rebellious. <laughs> they didn't give heed to anything he had to say, okay? They constantly warred against everything he said, okay? And so, you know, today he's asking you and me not to, not to yield to that. He says, today if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Don't, don't be like them, okay? In fact, if we go back to Hebrews again, and uh, in fact, I want to, uh, let's see here, let's, as I said earlier, you see it both in chapter 3 and chapter 4, multiple times where he says, today if you'll hear his voice, okay? In fact, let's go now back to chapter 4. All right, and uh, we're going to go to verse 7 now. Again, he designates a certain day, saying, In David, today, and of course, there's another quote out of the Old Covenant, today, he kind of stresses on that word today. Today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So the point he's trying to bring out is that's really how it always, always breaks down. He's always communicating with his people. And today, if you will hear his voice, okay, that's what he said to them, talking to David. Now, you know, we, we can go a little bit further down. His, the things he was trying to bring out about, you know, to Joshua, he's speaking to Joshua, okay? He's hoping that what he says, you're going to give heed to, that you're going to hearken, okay? You're going to hear with the intent to follow, to do it, all right? And that's what he's, he's asking of you and me. Okay, to not be like them, how they hardened their heart, okay, became stiff-necked, 
okay, they become uh, calloused, okay, and would not yield or follow, submit to, or yield to the things that God said, all right? They just became disobedient, all right? And so as a result of it, they didn't enter into their promised land. And, and we have to recognize that if, if we're going to be the same way, we're not going to enter in to our promised land. In fact, let's go to chapter 12. Well, let's see. Let's see. Do I want to do that? Yeah, let's go to chapter 12. I'm going to come right back to that. Chapter 12, verse 25. And it says, uh, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Okay, that's to reject. Uh, that word refuse there, to push off, to shun, to turn away from, even words like denial, but it's referring again to disobedient or insubordinate or non-compliant, okay? See that you do not refuse him who speaks, all right? For if they, talking about again, in context, talking about that first generation again, for if they did, did not, in other words, did not escape, okay, who refused him who spoke on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Okay, now I'm just trying to bring out, okay, what he's trying to do is he's, this whole thing is he's saying, we're, gonna, we're using the children of Israel as examples. We have, you know, a lot of great examples, things that were keys if you're going to receive, but then we, we start seeing all these roadblocks, these things that get in the way. That first generation did not go into the promised land. I know I'm stressing that, but remember, they did not receive their promised land based on their own choices and decisions, not based on any warfare as far as enemy nations warring against them and holding them out. It was based on their own choices and decisions. And as we're talking about today, today it's about this thing about not yielding when he speaks, when he talks, all right, when he, when he asks something of you, when he gives you a leading or a bidding or a prompting, and you refuse, you, you refuse or you shun or you turn away from or become insubordinate or disobey when he leads, okay, you have to understand that that's going to hinder what you receive or not receive. All right, it gets in the way. God has all kinds of promises for you and me, but if we're going to constantly reject every time he leads us, we're going to be disobedient every time he asks us to do something or leads us in a, down a roadway or a path and we just refuse to do it. We have to understand that the same way they missed out, and that's what he's bringing out here, the same way they missed out on things is the same way you're going to miss out on things. All right? No different. Back to chapter uh, 4 again of Hebrews. And verse 11 this time, let's just kind of jump down here. It says, let us therefore be diligent. Talking about us now. Let us, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest or into that promised land, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Okay, now again, this I know this ain't, you know, you get talking about the roadblocks, the roadblocks of things that get in our way. I understand that sometimes that's not all fun messages. But listen, if we can understand what held them back, you know, the, the next generation received that promise. They went in and took it, even with all the warfare they had to do, okay, all the different nations they had to go against, uh, you know, the tribes and nations they had to go against, okay, 
they still possessed their promised land, just like God promised. But what held the first generation back was their own choices and decisions. And many times you hear, you know, statements made, you know, things like, uh, you know, God got them out of Egypt, just couldn't get Egypt out of them, and a lot of, lot of, lot of truth to that. But bottom line, it was just things like, like we're talking about today, disobedience, okay? We talked about last week, unbelief. And the week before that, they allowed their heart to constantly be sidetracked and distracted. The week before that, we talked about how fear gets involved and messes everything up too. I mean, so these are all just different things that, that we have to take note of. And as they become then our example to us, in other words, we can learn from their mistakes. That's what he's trying to bring out here in Hebrews, that we can learn from their mistakes. Okay, these were things that kept them out of their promised land. Well, then let's just make note. We're not going to follow in their footsteps in those areas, all right? So according to the same example of disobedience. Now, I just want to toss something out to you. Verse 12, a common verse, okay? For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even a division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, a common verse. And a lot of times when we read that and quote that, we're, most time everybody say, well, the word of God here, this word is living and powerful, right? And it is. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. That's exactly right. But in context, okay, I want you to note, in context, okay, that word he's talking about here, the word of God, the word logos, which means uh, something spoke, okay, okay, something uh, brought forth or, or, or uttered, okay, something spoke. He's talking about the same thing. He's been talking about it, you know, earlier in the chapter and in chapter 3. Today, if you will hear his voice, okay, if you will listen when God begins to communicate and talk to you, you have to understand his word, when he says something to you, it's living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing of division of soul and spirit. In other words, that just refers to, you know, with that word from God, it'll help you to, to, to determine whether it's of you or it's of, of God, whatever it is we're talking about. See, he can give you a word that can lead you down a road that makes things work right, all right? Puts you on the God road, takes you off the self road onto a God road. So it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing a division of soul and spirit, joint, and Mara, which really just refers to things that are important to things uh, versus things that are critical. Okay, and we've many times taken that, we've you know took time and studied all through all that, but it's referring to that one word from God can can set everything in, into a divine order. Okay, of what's what's truly you know critical in your life right now versus maybe just some important things. Okay, nothing wrong with the important things. It's just that. We're talking about there's things sometimes that are important and things at the moment that are critical. One word from God, because it's living and powerful, can begin to put a fine line on, on what you need to do or what you need to focus on, all right? It's amazing how one word from God can change everything, can fix things. And that's what he's talking about in this context, okay? Uh, through joint and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. One word from God can put everything in order. And that's what he's saying. He's, he's always, today, if you will hear his voice. See, today he's trying to help you with your life. But if we don't give heed to it, and we don't listen with the intent to follow, 
then what happens is that living and powerful word that he's trying to speak to you is made to no avail. It doesn't, won't produce anything because you're not mixing any kind of faith with it, any kind of action with it, okay, as he said earlier in the chapter. All right, so if you're not going to put any kind of, you know, action behind it and put some faith in God when he speaks to you and, and be confident in the fact that what he spoke to you is okay, it's right, it's a good thing, amen, uh, we don't do that, then we're going to miss out on things. God can steer you every day concerning your family, concerning your finance, your health, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your employment. We can go on and on and on, all kinds of things that God can begin to talk to you about that could keep you on a right path, keep everything in a divine order, if we'll just follow him when he leads. And the children, that first generation of the children of Israel, would not follow. They wouldn't give heed to it, okay? The next generation, praise the Lord, with Joshua leading, they gave heed to some things. They followed it, praise God. And every time they followed it, they got results. And we also know in that second generation, there was a couple moments, okay, they had a couple slip-ups, all right? Now listen, but they turned right around, got the word of the Lord, followed it, got good results again. So I'm just saying it's, it, it's such a, a great example to you and me of why we want to follow when God leads, all right? Praise the Lord. A lot said there. Let's go to the book of John, the book of John, and um, kind of start bringing this down here. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, closing this out, talking about some things that when you, when you, when you begin to um, take this thing about disobedience, you know, the difference between obeying and not obeying, um, when God begins to communicate and talk to you, uh, it makes the difference between, uh, you know, as we see in the children of Israel's lives, it makes the difference between a wilderness experience versus a promised land, just based on whether you're going to follow when he leads, okay? Um, we also see this in John 10, you know, he talks about the abundant life, Jesus talking about the abundant life in verse 10 there, but um, but if you kind of look in this chapter, it gives us some keys to this. And uh, verse 27 says this. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Okay? So they not only have an ear to hear it, but they follow. So in other words, they hearken unto what he says. Back to verse 3, kind of jump way back in here and look at this. He says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Look at this. For they know his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger. That just means another, the voice of another. Okay. But will flee from him for they do not know or they will not, you know, they do not yield to whatever the voice of strangers. Now, there's three things brought out in this text, uh, you know, that we're talking about, and that's hearing his voice, it's discerning his voice, and it's following his voice. Okay, and if you, you know, you get down there, and, and he's talking about this abundant life. You know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. In other words, a promised land for you. Okay, that's maybe kind of a real quick condensed dealer, but the point is this. How does that happen? Well, what determines that 
is the sheep that are, you know, given heed to his voice. Okay, the word said he's made your ears to hear. Okay, so you have the ability to hear. You're his sheep, so you have the ability to hear. All right, and he says you have to discern that. Okay, or know his voice. Okay, which can take some time, some time, some discipline, staying with it. Okay, and we've done many sermons on this and took time on that. But then it comes down to following the voice, because that's the key of the whole thing, is following when he leads. Okay, today, if you will hear his voice, okay, and not harden your heart, but yield to it, submit to it, praise God, follow God, amen. Hearken to his voice, amen. And if you do that, praise God, you will have good results. Let's look at a couple promises concerning that. Uh, and let's do uh, probably Isaiah. Um, yeah, I think so. Isaiah 1, please. Isaiah 1. A couple key verses, but I think it kind of helps bring it out. So Isaiah 1. And verse 19, 19 and 20. I think I'll read both these verses today. It says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse, here we go, and rebel, in other words, you don't give heed to it, you shall be devoured by the sword. I don't think there's anything about being devoured by the sword that's good here, okay? And I'm just being honest. I've taken the time and, and studied these out, and it's, it ain't nothing good about it. But what's the difference between eating the good of the land and being devoured by the sword, okay? What's the difference? The difference is whether or not you're going to be willing and obedient to when he leads. That's what the whole thing's about, okay? So if you, you know, when God begins to communicate and talk, begins to give you that, that prompting, that leading, that bidding of the Spirit, you know, sometimes it's just that inner witness, okay? But the point is this, that when God begins to do that, are you willing to follow that? If you do that, then you, you, you know, you receive your abundant life, that promised land, instead of this wilderness experience, instead of this, you know, you know, allowing the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy, okay? See, this just brings out if you will, you know, be, are willing and obedient. Now, I, I think there's some keys to that, too. We probably don't have time to get into all that. I mean, I think there are times you can be obedient and maybe not be so willing, and there are times you can be willing and not so obedient, you know, and that's the case, and that's probably a whole other sermon, but the bottom line is it says here, willing and obedient, okay? So, you know, you're submitted. Your heart's yielded to it, praise God, submitted to it. And if you will do that, if you'll hearken unto that, then you'll get the good results. Another reference on that is the book of Job, and I believe chapter uh, 36. And uh, it's actually a word of Elihu uh, talking about uh, bringing out some things. And uh, he said this in verse 11 and 12, If they obey and serve him, they shall, here we go, spend their days in prosperity. Yeah, that sounds like a good thing. That's kind of a great 401k plan here. Amen. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures, okay? But if they do not obey, because here's the other side of it, right? If they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword. There it is again. And they shall die without knowledge, okay? In other words, uh, there ain't nothing good about that. And again, we've taken the time over you know, many other sermons and discussed some of these things. The point I'm trying to make is, is that the difference then again between uh, you know having a years of plenty and uh, you know the the years of a pleasure or prosperity versus again being devoured by the sword and you know ending up you know without any 
insight, understanding, or knowledge, just basically ending up with, I mean, nothing good happening here, okay? And I, I don't know how else to say it. That's just really what it comes down to. What's the difference again? It's about whether we're going to obey or not, whether we're going to yield to what he says or not. Okay, that's really what it comes down to, all right? If we look at uh, Deuteronomy, since we're back here, you can't really talk about, uh, you know, following the voice of God without reading Deuteronomy 28. And let's go there, Deuteronomy 28. I hope, you, I hope you're hearing this today, child of God. Deuteronomy 28, please. Verse 1, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, and other are utterances, is what it means, which I command you today, you notice again, today, today, here we go, hallelujah, uh, that if you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, Verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because, it brings it out, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, that's, that's the difference between the blessing and you go on later to the curse. In fact, verse 15, it says this, but, if you, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments or utterances and his statutes, which I command you today that all these curses then will come upon you and overtake you. Well, nobody wants to curse, okay? If you go to study, read that on, that's, that's pretty miserable life, okay? So again, the difference between uh, the promised land and the wilderness, the difference between abundant life and being, you know, taken, uh, you, know, you know, having the enemy steal, kill, and, uh, you know, destroy, it's the difference between, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, eating the good life and living in prosperity or being devoured by the sword is the difference between the blessing and the curse. All right? It comes down to obeying, yielding, submitting yourself to when God begins to speak, begins to lead, the bidding, the promptings, like I said, the inner witness, however it is it comes, amen, when God begins to lead you, are you going to follow? Are you going to hearken unto his voice? All right, and that's what it comes down to. If you go back in, you know, back to, uh, I don't know what chapter it is. I think it's like chapter 11, I believe it is. Chapter 11 and verse 21 on through to like 28 in there, he brings out kind of the same thing about the blessing and the curse, and it comes down to following. But it says it in kind of a different way. It kind of brings out, it says if, if you will follow him, if you will yield to him when he leaves, it'll be like days like heaven on earth. That's how it's worded, okay? And then the implication is, as it goes on, that if you don't follow the curse, and really what it's referring to is days like hell on earth, okay? That's maybe kind of a blunt way of saying it, but I'm just trying to say the difference. See, the reason the children of Israel, that first generation, didn't go in, one of the reasons they did not experience their promised land, their abundant life, all right? Uh, that blessed life is because one of the reasons, one of the roadblocks was disobedience, would not, yield, would not submit and yield when the Spirit of God began to speak and talk to them. They would reject it. And the word is very clear, as we found out uh, in the book of Hebrews. And really, we're finding out through all these promise, uh, through all these uh, texts we're looking at here in the Old Covenant, these are promises, okay? So you can either live in that abundant life, the blessed life, or not. And it comes down to, are you willing to follow him 
when he leads you, praise God. Let me give you just a couple other references. Uh, Proverbs 1 and verse 33 just says, Whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. And, of course, it, the implication is it's not just, you know, letting it go in one ear and out the other. He's talking about an ear that's hearkening unto him, that's, that's listening. When he leads, he follows. And if you do, you get delivered from whatever the enemy's trying to, uh, you know, plan against you, all right? Uh, the, J- Jesus said this in John 4. He said, for my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I thought it was worthy of bringing that out because Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. And he said, my sustenance, my food is to do whatever he he asked me to do. So if he leads me, I follow it. And if I follow it, I get sustained. Everything I need, I have. Okay, and that's really another just another you know reason for following God. All right, I like all my needs met. Well, I follow God, just like Jesus said. If I follow Him, it all works. I get sustained. All right, everything works like it's supposed to. And how many know Jesus had a pretty successful ministry? I thought about bringing this up too, and I in in First Samuel, um, in chapter fifteen. In verse 22 and 23, I might just close with this one. Uh, Samuel is addressing Saul, King Saul. And he said this, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed uh, than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected, now get this, this is what happened with Saul. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And I thought it was worthy of bringing that out. I know it may not be a positive note, but I am trying to bring out and show you that the only reason that King Saul lost his kingship was because he would not follow when God led. All right? And he assumed he could do something else. And that was the whole thing. He was going to, I'll take, uh, you know, I know I'm supposed to eliminate all this, but I'm not. I'm going to take a bunch of this and use it for sacrifices and that kind of stuff. He said, uh, he doesn't have any, any, any interest in your sacrifices. All he wants is you to follow when he leads you. And that's what, that's what Samuel was trying to bring out uh, to King Saul is you messed your life up just based on a dumb choice. You disobeyed when he led you. And, and it's critical. And so I, I just kind of wanted to f- close with that to say, you know, this is not a lightweight thing. Um, uh, when you were talking about, you know, some of these roadblocks that get in the way and mess up uh, what God's trying to do in your life. I mean, we got such a good God, a God that, that has got things laid out for you and me, things that have already been planned for you and me that are great. Uh, you know, a good life, praise God, a promised life. Amen. What we want to do is, is enter into that promised life. And enter into that promised land, that abundant life, that life of God, amen, that we're called to. We want to see the, the benefits and the, and the promises of God manifest in our life, amen. And, and that's what we want, amen. So we could take note and learn from uh, that first generation of the children of Israel, amen, in things that held up their promises. And so we can take note of that, learn from that as an example, amen, 
and make a decision. I refuse to do what they did. Amen. In fact, I choose to obey when God leads. I hope you got something today. Father, I give you praise and glory for your word. Thank you again for an ear that heard, a heart that received, again for opening the eyes of our understanding. Thank you, Lord, for a people that are entering in to their promised land, taking hold of the life they're called to. Praise God. Walking free, amen, from all these roadblocks, these things that get in the way, choosing life, choosing you in every step. Praise God. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Word of Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.